Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, I've got a few things to talk about today. Um, I honestly do believe God's doing a brand new thing on the earth. And um, that's not just uh, a cliche. That's actually a, a deep conviction in my heart. Today, this weekend, we'll have, we opened a new church in Germany, um, uh, it's, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, uh, the, uh, it's a location from uh, C3 Leipzig. And um, I think it's called Ehrenkirchen or something. And um, that's exciting that we need to keep planting churches and reaching people, and we don't want to stop that. And, and I personally don't feel persecuted in our province. I feel blessed that we can preach freely, and we can worship freely, and we can gather freely. Um, you know, a few little, little things, but we've got to learn to put up with a few little discomforts, but we can be together and, and sing praises, and I think this is really excellent. And um, once we get through this and on the other side... Um, I honestly believe the churches will fill up because of the hunger that people have for the Lord. You know, the Lord had a, um, he had planned a reset, um, and um, it was to happen every 50 years. It's called the Year Jubilee, and that's well, it's one of the messages we're to have, um, that deaths are forgiven and prison doors open, and, and it was meant to uh, reset the economy. And, um, and we're told by financial analysis that, analysts, that um, about every 50 years, uh, the economy resets itself. But God had that built in. But we're never told, we never read in Scripture about where they actually obeyed that to see what happened. And uh, land that was originally given was given back, and uh, debts were forgiven, and, and it was a reset of the economy. So I would prefer the Lord do it frankly, um, but um, I just think it's quite interesting today uh, that we live in a day, uh, I want to talk th- this morning about, um, about breaking judgments, but we live in a day where there's incredible amounts of offense and judgments, and I, I personally think that we need to be careful because, uh, first of all, we can, be re- we can be reaping what has already been sown for hundreds of years, uh, but we don't, want to, we don't want to enhance that. We want to break the cycle. That's what we want to do. And so I just want to say once again that 99% of our relational pain is perceptual, perceptual, and that it's self-inflicted, I believe. I just made that number up, 99%, but it's something like that, a high, high number. Um, but, but what judgments, offenses, and unforgiveness does is it minimizes our ability to love one another. And it's probably one of the key metrics of a life well lived that we should be able to ask at the end of our life is, did we love? And I think that when we try to read scripture without knowing that it's motivated by love, we end up with a very distorted religious uh, view, and it's really unhelpful that, that anything God ever does, was, it was motivated by love. Whenever we don't think that, whenever we think that he had another motive, we're judging God. So judgments, by definition, are presuming intention or presuming motive, presume, presuming that we know the reason why people did things. And the result of that causes us a lot of relational uh, 
uh, anguish uh, and pain. It would be true then that, which I, I believe that one of the purposes of life is to learn to love. And so we're placed in environments where that love gets to be released or not. And we get to make a decision. And so I think that we could probably say that it would be true that the less love I feel, the more pain I inflict. That's very possible. And so a primary mission in our lives is learn to love. So we cannot inflict pain, but offer relational and emotional healing. So we need to be careful that we don't uh, let people drag us into their choices. But we have the power to make our own choice. And I want to talk about this in light of um, Matthew chapter 7. Now, I'm just going to get Doug to do me a little favor. I want you to bring, uh, just bring this uh, blue trunk over here, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 7, most of you know it by heart. Uh, few of us practice it, but, but it's, uh, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Do not judge uh, or you too will be judged. Thank you. Let's hear it for Doug. Uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, what we read many times, I think, at least I do, is don't judge or God will judge you. But it doesn't say that. It says others will judge you. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure that you used, it will be measured to you. This is not God doing it. It's others doing it. Jesus is giving us relational secrets how to minimize relational pain in our life. When he says, don't judge, he's saying, because when you do judge, it actually is going to come back on you from others. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. So judgment happens when we think somebody, where we think something uh, is important. So, so judgments are only painful or powerful when they're significant. Um, lots of people can't afford, offend me because I don't think, I don't, I don't, think their opinion is that important. Last week when I said I was not offended when um, that gyms were closed and a fellow at the back says, uh, we can all see that. But I wasn't offended because I didn't value his opinion. It was, that's how it works. So in order for, something has to be significant for it to have power to hurt you. And it has to be some, from someone that you see or view as significant. Uh, to many of you, this will look like a beaten up old blue box, which in fact it is. And if you were at a uh, garage sale and you came past this box, uh, you would see it and you would think, well, that's really probably not very important, a box. Kind of old, a little bit musty. The story behind the box, though, is what makes it significant to me. Uh, in the late 1800s, a man named Simon who lived up in a valley about four hours north of Oslo, built these boxes for each of his boys because he knew that they would be getting on a boat and they'd be sailing to America. One of those boys was my grandfather. That's why this box is significant to me. It's, it's virtually worthless to any of you. That, that Simon wasn't that great. He was actually a shoemaker. He wasn't a carpenter. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the way it's built, the way, uh, you know, and kind of the color. And, but it tells a story. That makes it significant to me. All you can see really on the outside of one is the Scandinavian-American, uh, um, uh, not airlines, um, uh, 
American Lion, the Scandinavian American Lion. So he, he got on about my grandfather. Um, he, he put all of the things, so I'm just thinking of the, of the dad, you know, Simon. And he takes the things that he thinks will be important for his son. His son's a teenager. My, my grandfather's a teenager. He packs them in there. He probably puts them on a train. They go out to the coast. He gets on a boat. I'm not sure if it's from Bergen or Oslo. Ends up in, I think, New York. He travels across the country to uh, North Dakota to work on a ranch named Yellowstone. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Have you been watching that? It's a great story. Um, <laughs> um, he's taught English by the rancher's daughter. He later, after he learns English, moves straight north to northern Saskatchewan, homesteads, clears a quarter section of land with an axe and horses, and that was my grandfather. This box is important to me. Others in my family didn't think it was that important. It's important not because of its inherent, not the wood, not the craftsmanship, um, not the hinges. It's, in, it's significant to me because of what's behind it. So it's quite important to me. Kelly thinks it takes up too much room in the garage. Uh, we differ on that, but I don't judge her for it. <laughs> uh, breaking judgments. Our lives will be limited to the judgments that we do not break. People will respond to me the way that I respond to them, plus interest. That's what the scripture says. If you turn to uh, over the same perfect sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 7 of Luke, um, he says that, that we should stop judging others. We should stop criticizing and we should forgive for in the same way you will receive. And it will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. The way that we respond to people will be the way that they respond to us plus compound interest at 1,000%. It's going to come back. on a, Our relational pain is not another person's issue. It's our own personal issues. And, they, and, and can I just say that we do this all the time. All the time. Uh, just so happens... We're in a pandemic. To some, it's a perceived pandemic. Whatever it is, don't, instead of judging that, we're actually in a fairly awkward kind of a time. And we have lots of opportunities to judge people. And what that does, though, if we're not careful, according to the Scripture, is it'll come back on us. The way we treat people is going to come on us. God has nothing to do with this. Essentially, he's just saying, if you could learn to figure out how, not, how to stop the judgment cycle, it'll go well with you. So he's given us clues of how to live a great life and minimize emotional and relational pain. Um, we, we looked uh, this week, if you're reading through the Bible, like some of us are, we looked in Mark chapter 7 this week. We're reading through this, and I think it was such a powerful passage. Um, and, and he begins, he's going through this. I just, I, I sort of feel a little bit of frustration. He's talking about inner um, purity, and he's saying, Isaiah prophesied about you guys. And then he, he lays out, he, he shows them, uh, gives them some things about how, how we're to treat other people. And then he says this in verse uh, 14 of Mark chapter 7. Then Jesus called to the crowd. He said, come in here to come in here. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. I think he's probably, he, he's been, his patience is being tested. You're not defiled by what you eat. You are defiled by what you say and do. That's just fascinating. And then he went into the house away with the crowds and his disciples, they asked him what he meant. He said, don't you understand either? <laughs> no, 
no, don't understand. <clears throat> Can't you see that what you eat doesn't defile you? This is interesting because, well, let me just read on. Food doesn't come in contact with your heart but passes through the stomach and then comes out again. Little gastrointestinal talk here. He said food goes right through you. It was about not just metabolism. He's making a point. He says that what goes into you, into your mouth, is not the issue. The issue is what happens in the heart. So he's saying outside things. I mean, we, we could say a lot about this, but I just want to say this, uh, verse 20. And then he added, it is the thought life that defiles you. Your mind, your thinking process can be your best friend or your worst enemy. So he says that it's the thoughts, your, it is the thought life that defiles you. For from within uh, and out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. No, 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 no. Those things are all... They're the issue. No, no. He says they're not the issue. He says that immorality and adultery, that all starts in the heart. Jesus says when, when adultery happens, it doesn't happen physically. It happens mentally first. Anybody, he's saying adultery is a, is a, thought, is a heart issue. It's a thought process. And what, I encouraged people yesterday on our thing to be mentally monogamous. Well, I haven't done anything wrong. No, have you thought about it wrong? Because that's the issue, because it's as good as about to happen if you're thinking about it already. Get a hold of those thoughts. Bring them into captivity. Lock those rascals up, because they'll, they'll become what you think about. They'll prophesy your future. It says the issue is not what you eat. It's not what you drink. I'm not making any statements about that, because they'll affect you physically, obviously. But he says the issue, immorality, sexual immorality, and murder, he says murder first is in the heart. The issue with our relational issues is not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. Such a big deal. Um, I can feel a little bit about the, the frustration of Jesus. But he says all food, fine, all food's fine. But he sums it up by saying it's the thought life that, defi that defiles you. He's reminding us that the issues are not exactly what happens outside. I'm not sure what's happened to you relationally, but he's giving us a clue how to minimize our relational pain. So, so let's just look a little further as, um, and I think I'm just going to scoot over to Luke chapter uh, 7. <clears throat> judgments. Let me define judgments for us. Uh, judge not, and you will not be judged by others. I mean, that's what... So, so to judge um, means that we, we, we carry uh, within our heart the assumption that we know why somebody did what they did, when in fact we never do. You hardly know why you do what you do. I'm the same. I hardly know. I know, what, what are you, wow, hmm, don't know. But, it, but to presume that you know what, how, why somebody else did something, the moment we attach significance to it, it becomes painful. We don't know why people do what people do. Our outer activity does not deal with the motivation of the activity. So this changes everything because it's an inside job. Jesus is coming to, to the, his last point uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, and I just feel it's such a powerful one. That the first thing we need to emphasize in, is this powerful passage is that many times we misread it, and we think that it's God that's judging us, when in fact he's not. It's honestly very hard to believe at first that my pain is not from an event or from a person. This is, honestly, it's a little bit hard. It's a, we have to adjust ourselves. 
that, that at first, when you, when you look at it, it, did a person do that? No, it's what you do in your heart with that. Things happen to us. But my judgment of what took place, I think this happens all, all the time. It's constantly happening. If the events or evil people were the source of my pain, then I would be out of control of my life. So whatever control, controls you, you are slave to. So we become a slave to another person when their activities or actions uh, hurt me. So I have control over myself. I'm free. So when an event happens to me, the decision I have to make instantly, or else it begins to grow in me, is how am I going to deal with this? If I judge it, oh, I know why that happened. Now it becomes painful. The power of an unanswered text. I know why they didn't text back. <laughs> a guy between services was saying, I for a walk for me. I got so upset because he didn't, he didn't call me. He said, let's go for a walk. I got so upset with him. I got, doesn't, like, what? And he was so upset. He finally um, gave a call. There was no answer. He finally had to call the family, and they realized that he passed away. He had a very legitimate excuse for not showing up for the walk. But what he did is he judged the action. Do you see what I mean? Then it became painful. Now, it became, now, he's, now he's telling himself a story, and the, and the stories we tell ourselves. Okay, so, that, so that's the point I want to make, is that if events or evil people were the source of our pain, we'd be out of control of our life. Or worse, we'd begin to believe that God brought, watch me, or allowed them for some purpose. And the next natural step would be that we would presume God's motive. Oh, I know why he did that. And boom, we just judge God. Do you feel the trap just go shut? We don't. So it's only when I make a decision on someone or why someone did something or presume the motive that it becomes powerful or painful in our life. Holy Spirit, wake us up to the judgments we have created in this last few minutes as Pastor Lawrence preaching. There's an interesting and underlying point when we read about, when I read about this and I, and I was talking it over with Kelly, I said, you know that the Lord doesn't say too much about the person, the violator. He doesn't say too much about that offensive person because we have a good reason why we should be offended. That person was offensive. Peter had very good intentions, but Jesus said, you're offending me, but he didn't let that offend him. Here's the reason why I think it doesn't say much about the other person because the only person that you have control over is yourself. So he tells us how to respond to situations that happen to us. He uses the example here about seeing. And what happens when we make a judgment is, first of all, it blinds us. Then it binds us. And lastly, it begins to define us. Because now we see the world through that judgment. It becomes what Jesus said. He says, why are you looking at that speck in your brother's eye when actually the, the, the reason that you see that speck is because your eye is full of it? Did you know you're full of it? The thing that you see in another... Thank you, Dave. I like people that laugh at my jokes, even if they don't get them. I rarely do. But he says that the reason that you're able to see that, the reason that's causing pain is because you're seeing it through a very specific pain, P-A-N-E, and that's your own. 
the window that you're looking through that and seeing that other person. And he, he goes on in chapter 7 to talk about you know, the blind leading the blind. And, and then he goes on a little bit further. Uh, they'll both fall in the ditch. Why worry about that speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your other person's eye. Perhaps, but maybe not. Maybe the point is you need to deal with yourself. Maybe the point is get the plank, the brick, the block, the log. Maybe the point is self-awareness. When you see something in another person, the first thing to do is not go ahead and poke your finger in that other person's eye, but say, Lord, where is that in me? And now maybe I'll be able to love that person unconditionally. Maybe now I'll be able, when I can get past my own judgment, when I get past my own blockage, it's the Bible says, to the pure, all things are pure. You can't see purity unless there's purity in yourself. So, he's, uh, anyway, my next point, seeing. Our judgments blind us to both our brother and ourself. Next point, we have a fixation on fixing. This is, this is very problematic because we as the church wonder, why is the, why is the world so hard on us? I wonder if we've been felt like we were the moral policemen of the world and we've been judging them rather than dealing with our own self. What if we're just reaping what we've sowed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years? What if all of the judgment that you see right now, oh, I know why the premier did that. No, you don't. Oh, I know why our mayor did that. No, you don't. You don't sit behind his desk. All of the judgments that are taking place, the air is filled with judgment. It's ripe. It's dripping. What if we could break that cycle? Just starting here, Lord. Just starting with me, Lord. We have a fixation on fixing. We can't resist a fix. Every day, relationships, friendships, and families are destroyed by our inability to resist to fix. The sin in our life blinds us to others' needs. And the pain that we see others through is through the window on our world. And the very idea that I have the right to judge someone is problematic because that's not within my sphere. It's destructive to our, our relational world. The God of a system is the one who determines what's right or what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. The God of a system. So, so they can see, so he sees what is done and why. We are only the God of our own system. The only way we're able to see people through Jesus' eyes is dethrone ourselves. There's only room on that throne for one. The, de the dethroning of ourself. How does God work on the earth? Does he control somebody? Does he point out your faults? Not the God of the Bible. He doesn't do that. How does he get things done on the earth? By loving people. He loves them into action. What if we could do that? Yeah, it takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. Takes a bit more patient. Mm-hmm. Requires a bit more time. Mm-hmm. But if we want biblical results, we actually need to function biblically as well. Actually. He loves, his love for us is not based on merit or performance. He moves on people's lives and through transforming their hearts. We note that control is not one of his emotions. He only does things because he is love. What if my actions could be like that? What if our actions could be like that? I am a slave to anything that controls me. Um, when we start to think we know why people did something, then we follow through with, with, with judgment, with 
with punishment. We follow through with a, a, some form, well, they, they don't deserve our love, so we remove our love or something. I know, I, know, I know what's going on there. You don't know what's going on there. I explained to people the, the, how I offended this person so badly, and uh, they just couldn't believe I would walk right past them and not say hello. I had an intestinal condition that required, when it was time to go to the bathroom, it was really, really, really time to go to the bathroom. So all, but all they could see was their world. And they said, this is what you did to me. No, no, it's what you why you judged why I did what happened. That's why it, that's why it hurts you. Were you but, but did you ever think for a minute what was going on with me? I lived with that condition for 10 years. But I do have supernatural success at praying for people with any sort of stomach issues as a result of that. A, a 10 years to the month, I, I dealt with that. Um, the thought, I wish so-and-so was here this morning so they could hear this. Little, little snicker. Um, submit to his lordship. Free yourself from trying to um, be God in someone's else's life. And the path of freedom will release relational pain. Lord, forgive us from our controlling patterns in our life. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 17, it says, Somebody who meddles in another person's arguments is the same as grabbing a dog by the ears. Anybody here like to walk? Happiest people on earth are walkers. Yeah. Um, cyclists aren't happy. <laughs> Runners are really not happy. Have I offended everybody yet? Don't judge me. I'm getting to a point. Um, anyway, anyway, many times we meet uh, people who are walking with us and they have dogs. He says, for you to get involved in somebody else's business is the same in grabbing that German shepherd by the ears and shaking it. Is it the dog's fault? Is it the owner's fault? No, it's my fault for grabbing the ears. He says the same, Proverbs chapter 26, who meddles in an argument not uh, his own is like the one who takes a passing dog by the ears. I find that... Hilarious. And, I, and I, so, anyway, um, help us, Lord. The best way to win the world is not to point out how sinful they are. <laughs> Get your fingers out of people's eyes. <laughs> the best way to win the world is not to point out how sinful they are. Stop poking people in the eye. Just stop it. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we can fix somebody by pointing out a fault. The Lord doesn't do that to us. What happens when we do that, it says... If we don't stop judging, and Jesus warns us of this, that whole, that, this whole chapter, he says, um, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, pray for happiness for those that curse you. That, that, that person that goes by and gives you that one finger wave, that person, it says pray for him, for his happiness. That's a hard reflex to have. Just pray for his happiness. And if not, uh, pray for those that hurt you. I know, I know the natural reactions, hurt them back. They give you one, you want to give them two. I know. I'm the same. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't, this isn't presuming you got two cheeks. It's got an unlimited amount of cheeks. How cheeky are you anyway? Thank you, Dave. If, if somebody demands your coat and your, give him your shirt as well, he's giving us some clues of how to live. This is how God treats us. And it, because it says that love your enemies, <coughs> pardon me, do good to them, lend to them. Uh, don't be concerned that they might repay you, and your words are going to be in heaven, and you'll truly be acting like children of the Most High, for he is kind uh, to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. Thank you, Jesus, that you're kind to me when I don't deserve it. That's called mercy that we don't get. The thing that triumphs over judgment is mercy, that people don't get what they deserve. <laughs> judgment. 
is broken by mercy. Can we not give people what we think they deserve, but give them better than they deserve? Just don't give them your coat, give them your shirt as well, and your knickers, and your brand new old old boots. Give them everything. Just go ahead and do that with a good heart. And he said, it'll go well with you, and it'll come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give back to you. He's referring to don't criticize, don't judge, be quick to forgive. Why? So it goes well with you, and you minimize or eliminate your relational pain. Pastor, you don't know what that person done. I don't know. I'm sorry what he did. He probably did it to me and people before him. Well, so doesn't he deserve? Yeah, 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 whatever. But this is hurting you. And once we can deal with ourselves and our self-judgments, the hardest judgment to deal with, the hardest judgment to break is judgments we have against ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I know God loves me and God wants to forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. I knew better, but I did it anyway. That sort of thing. Dangerous and it's blinding to us to be able to see the others. Stop judging, criticizing, um, and people will stop judging you. The quality of my emotional and social life is found in the quality of meaningful relationships. This is the deepest need of all human beings, and one of the biggest things that influences them is judgments. Remember, it's not observing someone. I can observe someone and observe their pattern. He actually gives us the, how to deal with that in verse 43 of chapter 6. He gives it, she shows us um, how to deal. When you observe something, that's not judging something. It becomes painful when you now presume you know why that person did what they did. Oh, I know why they didn't call me back. No, you don't. Oh, I know why that person was speeding. No, you don't. His wife was pregnant. He was on his way to the hospital. You don't know. Somehow we have to get past our blindness, our personal blindness, and judgments create that for us. The only time it comes painful is when we give it significance. Relational pain comes when I judge the person's uh, judge the person's of the, when I judge the person where the offense came from. Uh, we don't know why they do what they do. Everybody should have and deserves a chance to grow. Let me wrap up. Um, we determine how important something is. We determine how we see. We see how we see is how we see. It's not how it is. So number one, we need to renew our minds. Um, renewing our minds is not refusing to think certain thoughts. Renewing your mind is to be able to know clearly who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. When we renew our minds and I can, I, and I can discover who I am in Christ, I will see people differently, therefore I will treat them differently. When I discover who Christ is in me and I carry around his majesty and his glory and his goodness, when, when I can see who is Christ in me my, and my mind gets renewed, <clears throat> pardon me, I can treat people differently. Um, <clears throat> this allows us to release all judgments, offenses, and unforgiveness from all past experiences and all past perspectives. <clears throat> One of the problems that we have in the human condition is when we recall what happened to us, we actually don't recall the event how it happened. We recall the event of how it made us feel. We don't, we don't, because we don't know why it happened, <clears throat> to, that, that would be judging. But when we recall an event that happened, I know why that happened, and we judge that event, it actually has more and more power in our life and more and more pain, and we allow it to stay there. When I remember an event... Uh, honestly, and I, when I dealt with this, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, we deal with it all the time. The quicker we can deal with it, the better. 
Um, but I know what happens if we leave it and we let it linger, then we recall it again, and it has another sting. And we recall it again, ooh, and it's another sting. And we call it again, but what is it? it actually, our, our, our thinking is not any better, but our heart is a little more hurt because we remember how it felt, and the next time you feel it, it feels worse, it feels worse, it's pressed down, it's shaken together, and now that rascal is running over. And now wherever you go, you see things through that specific uh, experience. God wants to help us with that. So we renew our minds and we ask God for forgiveness. And I'll do that in a minute for, on behalf of us all. We, next thing we do after we renew our minds and we ask God for forgiveness, we renounce and release others from the power and the pain of judgments. When I do this and free others, I can now see people and why they did what they did, uh, which I don't know, but I can see others and help them to experience Christ for themselves. When I surrender to Christ and trust his work in my heart and in their heart, I surrender the throne so he can truly be the center of our world. Um, People do things for their own reasons, and we don't know what those reasons are. And when we think we do, we're judging. Let's break those judgments. Judgments and offenses bind us, blind us, and define us. And lastly, we repent of how we've seen things from from our self at the center. And as we close this morning, I want to pray for us all that we could accept God's renewed vision and his values in our life. When we're able to break, when we're able to forgive people, when we're able to release offenses, and when we're able to break judgments, we actually develop for ourselves a brand new emotional navigation system within us. And I assure you, you're going to have an opportunity to use this message this week. Uh, it, it happens silently. You can be watching the news and you go, oh, those, mm. It happens when you're driving down the road, mm. I'm just saying the issue is not what's happening out there. The issue is what's happening inside me. And tuning to that and getting self-mastery over the things that we think about and the way that we think at others. Would you just stand with me, please? <clears throat> if you're a parent here today, it might be a good thing just to, at lunchtime today before you return thanks, just look across the table and says, is there any, any way I've offended you in the last week, year, month, lifetime? Let's get them out on the table. Let's ask forgiveness. Let's get the blood of Jesus on those. I don't want to be treated the way I treat other people sometimes where I hold them hostage to my own judgments. So let's break them this morning in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for your forgiveness today for times when we presume to know why people do what they do when really we don't. Forgive us for the judgments that we have carried in our hearts and some of us for generations. I know why that neighbor do that. I know why that neighbor did that. But, but, but we've carried that and it's affected our way of seeing that other person. Lord, forgive us for when we've judged you, presuming we know why you do what you do when in fact we really don't. Forgive us, Lord, today for not thinking clearly and not carrying the mind of Christ into our relationships. Forgive us, Father, that we've been careless about the renewing of our minds and we've thought of ourselves how we were, not as how you are renewing us. Father, today we renounce and release anyone that we carried a judgment against. Father, today, everybody, everyone, we ask, Lord, that these judgments be broken and severed right through. And we ask for the blood of Jesus to wash back onto those spiritual lines We ask, Lord, that you would 
make us cautious of the things we'd say and the things we do, the thoughts that we think, and very quickly be able to set a watch over our mouths and a watch over our eyes, a watch over our ears, and a watch over our hearts. You said it's out of our hearts that come the very issues of life. Father, I thank you for filling our hearts with a new sense of your love and your peace. And I declare today that every judgment that's carried in everyone's heart is broken today. And as we leave, we'll have a renewed sense of love for the people we meet. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen and amen. That was a, I, I think I preach a variant of this every year. Every year I'm deeply convicted of my own messages. And this is one that you can use every day that you may need to replay it. Honestly, a couple of these little tools about forgiveness, about offenses, about judgments will allow the quality of your relational life to skyrocket. And I just believe that when we leave here today, we'll have a new sense of strength and confidence in the ways of God. God bless you. You're released. If you need prayer, I can pray for you, but... I know the Holy Spirit's done a surgery in our hearts. Your release, go and change your world. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.